Chapter Eighteen of Peggy Raymond's School Days, or Old Girls and New, by Harriet Lummis Smith. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eighteen, A Headache Cure. Priscilla stopped at her home just long enough to leave her books. The unrest and indecision of the past months were over. The changing emotions of that eventful day, the reaction from despair to unspeakable relief had left her curiously quiet, and yet determined. One thing was certain. As far as she could, without involving others, she must come to an understanding with Peggy. Mrs. Raymond, who sat sewing in the sunny window, saw Priscilla as she came up the walk, and indicated by a gesture that the door was unlocked. Dispensing with the formality of knocking, Priscilla entered and crossed the room on tiptoe. "'Is Peggy feeling real sick, Mrs. Raymond?' why she says her headaches priscilla and she's in bed when peggy goes to bed in broad daylight and keeps quiet without having weights tied to her it's a pretty sure sign she feels sick you don't think it's anything serious do you asked priscilla taking instant alarm and peggy's mother noted her loss of color no child i suppose the proper thing to say would be that she is overstudying it's always hard study that's responsible when something ails a schoolgirl Peggy's mother laughed as she added, "'I'm afraid I'm not quite orthodox on that point. I'm more inclined to lay it to the side issues.' Priscilla's rueful smile suggested full agreement with Mrs. Raymond's diagnosis. "'May I slip up and see Peggy?' she asked. The prospect of having to wait another twenty-four hours before making her confession was most unwelcome. "'Go quietly, dear, and if she's asleep, don't wake her.' Mrs. Raymond's eyes followed the girl's tall figure as she crossed the room and began her ascent of the stairs. Even if she had not been fond of Priscilla for her own sake, Mrs. Raymond would have loved her for her devotion to Peggy. The door of Peggy's room was ajar, and the shades were down. Peggy's face against the pillow looked pale and drawn. As Priscilla stood hesitating in the doorway, Peggy opened her eyes. "'Oh, it's you, is it?' Her voice had a faint faraway sound, not in the least like Peggy's usual animated tone. "'Yes.' Priscilla crept into the room. "'Peg, dear, I'm so sorry you're sick.' "'It's nothing,' Peggy's lids drooped again. "'Just a little headache, and I'm tired.' Priscilla stood undetermined beside the bed. Clearly it was not an opportune moment for confidences. Indeed, to force a confession on poor languid Peggy seemed little short of cruelty. But Priscilla had an alarming conviction that if she let this opportunity slip, by another day she would find reasons for a further postponement. The exaltation of her mood, the result of the discovery that Victoria Wells was still in the land of the living, was not a thing one could count on indefinitely. "'Peggy,' said Priscilla, with a catch in her voice, "'as soon as you're better, there's something I want to tell you.' Peggy's eyes snapped open. Her air of interest was unmistakable. "'What kind of thing, Priscilla?' "'It's nothing you'll want to hear, Peggy. I'm so ashamed of it that I'm afraid I'll lose my courage before you're well enough to hear it.' So if I don't tell you about it on my own accord, just start me off, will you, Peggy? Has it anything to do with Victoria Wells? Priscilla dropped on her knees by the bed, hiding her face. Oh, Peggy, how did you guess? But you can't have any idea. Yes, I know all about it. Peggy! Priscilla's gasp of relief was unmistakable. She was forgetting Peggy's headache, and, if appearances could be trusted, Peggy was forgetting it, too. Priscilla's confession was a somewhat piecemeal affair owing to her unwillingness to mention any names but her own. 
had peggy not heard mary donaldson's story first she might have supposed that priscilla was the prime mover in the conspiracy to defraud victoria of her rightful honors as it was she listened with a pride and gladness that mastered her regret priscilla was not like mary holding other people responsible for what she herself had done intent only on proclaiming her own blamelessness long before the story was finished the girls were holding each other's hands tightly and if not a word was said of forgiveness it was because nothing of the sort was necessary after they had probed the thing to the bottom they talked of reparation on this point peggy had very decided views i don't believe i'd have any chance for the valedictory anyway it seems to me that half a dozen girls are better than i am and victoria is better than any of us but of course with her eyes bandaged we're not to blame for that peggy priscilla interposed we've got enough to answer for without that of course but we've got to make up for what's happened by helping her now until her eyes get better we must read her lessons to her and see that she doesn't get behind victoria's memory is wonderful i think she'll learn very fast that way i'll help her all i can priscilla promised humbly it was extraordinary how her feelings had altered now it seemed to her that the one unendurable disaster would be to have victoria wells fail in winning first honors they might have talked the remainder of the afternoon if peggy had not suggested the advisability of seeing victoria that very day it'll help her to get well if she knows we're ready to stand by her she's felt hurt and suspicious of everybody and i believe that's more than half of what ails her priscilla jumped at the chance to show the sincerity of her change of front she would go to victoria's home at once and even if she could not see her she would leave a message showing victoria that she might count confidently on the help of her classmates i'll come in some time this evening and tell you how it turned out said priscilla as she hurried away she was astonished to find the outside world bleakly march with a hint of snow in the air in her heart spring had already begun ruth came to the door just as priscilla went out may i go up and see peggy mrs raymond why yes i think so mrs raymond answered perhaps you'd better do most of the talking ruth it was her private opinion that peggy had had quite enough visiting for the day but she was well aware that some of peggy's friends were inclined to be a little jealous of others it would never do to admit priscilla to peggy's room and shut ruth out ruth sped up the stairs carrying a small paper package with the exaggerated care one might bestow on a basket of eggs her first act on entering peggy's room was to close the door her second to forget completely mrs raymond's injunction peggy i've got something to show you peggy looked at her in mild surprise as she had come home from school sick and spent almost the entire day in bed it was natural to expect that ruth's first remark would concern her health the fact that ruth ignored this subject indicated an unusual absorption in her own affairs ruth was hastily removing the brown wrapping paper from the object she carried oh a photograph said peggy who had watched the performance with interest her voice had lost the languid faintness noticeable in her greeting of priscilla yes ruth advanced with a mingling of pleasurable excitement and trepidation and delivered a large photograph into peggy's hand it represented a handsome young woman in evening dress whose frank smile displayed a double row of pretty teeth below was written in a dashing hand devotedly yours babe peggy scrutinized the laughing face in silence till ruth's impatient voice broke in on her reflections do you like her peggy i think she's stunning peggy's brief hesitation for an adjective was rewarded by gratifying certainty that she had chosen exactly the right word but do you think you'd like her do you think you could be chummy with her 
Peggy answered the double-barreled question by another. "'Who is she, Ruth?' She looked from the laughing face in the picture to the anxious face of her friend, and the latter held her attention riveted. Ruth sat down on the edge of the bed. "'Peggy,' she said breathlessly, "'if I tell you something, you won't ever breathe a word.' "'Of course not,' replied Peggy in the most matter-of-fact manner. Luckily or unluckily, according to one's point of view, Peggy possessed those qualities which act as a magnet to confidences. She was so accustomed to being pledged to undying secrecy that she gave such assurances as serenely as she said good morning. Then, oh, Peggy, she's Graham's sweetheart! Peggy uttered an exclamation and turned again to look at the handsome, mirthful face. Graham's sweetheart? That meant that if the young people's plans did not miscarry, this girl would some day be Ruth's sister. She's perfectly stunning, Peggy said again. This time she would have liked to find another adjective, but she could not seem to think of any other that would fit. It came all sealed up, Ruth explained, and there was this note inside. She put into Peggy's hand a sheet on which Graham had scrawled, Isn't my sweetheart a peach? You needn't tell father and mother about her yet. G. I don't wonder he's proud of her, Peggy said judicially. She was well aware she had left Ruth's question unanswered. Did she like this handsome young woman with her exuberant smile? Could she fancy being chummy with her? In her heart of hearts Peggy said no to both questions, but it was not to be thought of to say as much to Ruth. Luckily Ruth did not press the question. As Peggy continued to stare at the photograph, Ruth sighed tumultuously. With a struggle Peggy tore herself from the fascinating contemplation of the present mistress of Graham's affection. "'What's the matter, honey?' Peggy, I'm disappointed enough to die. Why, Ruth, that's all nonsense. Brothers have to marry sometimes. I'm sure Dick will. Fact is, I have a girl all picked out for him. That's just the trouble with me, Ruth cried desperately. I had a girl all picked out for Graham. You, Peggy. Ruth! It was extraordinary how much of protest Peggy succeeded in putting into that single syllable. The blood flamed into her cheeks mounting to the roots of her hair and burning in her ears. A stranger might have supposed that the malady which had confined her to her bed was a severe attack of scarlet fever. "'Well, I did. Oh, Peggy, it would have been such fun to have you for a sister, and we could have had such good times together. And now Graham's going to marry a girl I don't know at all. And anyway, she's not my kind. She looks rather bold.' "'Ruth Wiley!' exclaimed Peggy, inwardly relieved by the chance to turn the subject to Graham's fiancée. "'That's no way to talk about the girl your brother's engaged to. Even if you don't know her now, you can get acquainted, I hope.' "'I don't know as I want to.' Ruth possessed herself of the photograph, her look of dejection deepening. "'I don't believe we'll ever be friends, never in this world. Now you and I, Peggy—' "'Ruth,' said the invalid, with astonishing energy, if you say another word of that sort, I'll throw this pillow at you. The only thing that worries me, Peggy added, is his telling you not to mention it to your father and mother. It seems as if they ought to be the first to know. I suppose Graham feels they won't be very delighted to have him engaged before he's through college, and especially to a girl who looks as if she's used to having everything. And again Ruth sighed tempestuously. Well, I think brothers are frightfully disappointing." Once more Peggy steered the subject away from personalities. I wonder what her real name is. I don't know, but one thing's sure, I'll never call her Babe. Ruth rose irresolutely. 
Peggy, if you don't mind, I'm going to leave that photograph with you. Oh, but I do mind. Peggy spoke with great positiveness. She had taken an absurd dislike to this hilarious young woman with her mop of dark curls. Take her home with you. Ruth protested. If mother sees it, she'll ask where I got it, and I'll have to give Graham away. Please be obliging, Peggy. I don't see why you should object. One little photograph doesn't make much difference. Oh, put her around somewhere if you can find a place, exclaimed Peggy, yielding, though ungraciously, and Ruth, after locating her prospective sister-in-law on Peggy's writing-desk, withdrew. Almost at once Peggy rose and began to brush her hair, glancing occasionally over her shoulders at the mirthful features of Babe, and then, being fearful, perhaps, that the photograph might become dusty and spotted, even though the time of flies was still distant, Peggy opened the bottom drawer of her chiffonier, and buried Babe deep beneath a mound of ribbons, gloves, lace collars, and similar debris. After safely disposing of Babe, she made better progress with her toilet. When she came downstairs, her mother looked sharply at her flushed cheeks. "'Well, Peggy, how is your head?' "'My head?' Peggy repeated blankly. Then she roused herself. "'Oh, yes, it ached, didn't it? I'd forgotten all about it. I think it must be cured.' End of chapter 18